And we're back. Episode 7 of the Canes Country Podcast. We took a three-week break because, you know, sometimes the boys are busy. And uh, But we're back, though, just in time for all the all the heat to start rising here in the hockey season. My name is Brett Finger, senior writer at CanesCountry.com, and I'm joined by Justin Lape and Kyle Morton, per usual. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout-out to all of our extremely entitled listeners who were demanding labor of us uh, during our hiatus. Uh, like, where do you get off? Like, w- we said we would do this every week, and then we didn't. But, you know, things happen. Let us be. We'll, we'll get you an episode when we're ready to get you an episode. This isn't about you. This is about us. <laughs> exactly. This is about our mental well-being. We're, we're just practicing self-care. Have some sympathy, please. No, we're we're all back to college and stuff, but uh, you're gonna have consistent content moving forward because it's almost hockey season. Almost. Well, by the time that we're recording this, we're an hour and a half from the first real hockey that will be televised, and that's the Traverse City tournament. Starts today, seven thirty tonight, when we're recording this. The Hurricanes, of course, won the 2016 tournament, and you know. With all the hype surrounding this this farm system, uh, it looks like another promising year. So, Kyle, entering this tournament, what are you looking out for, and how important is this tournament to you? I think this is this tournament is the most important thing that'll happen this year for the Hurricanes. Agreed. Um, <laughs> you got to take what you can get, and the Canes the Canes are clear favorites in this tournament. Um, uh, I think Corey Lavalette, formerly of Canes Country, currently of the NSJ. Uh, earlier was tweeting out uh, some factoids about this roster. Uh, the Hurricanes are the only team uh, in the tournament to have four first-round picks in their lineup, and they're the only team to have two first-round defensemen. Well, uh, apparently apparently the, the the drivers outside my apartment are not as excited about Traverse City as we are, or they're very excited. Yeah, uh, but regardless, <laughs> regardless... There must be fans uh, of the pod. <laughs> Yeah, they just wanted to see a live-action uh, recording of this of the show, for sure. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, uh, four first-round picks for the Canes more than any other team, two of them being defensemen. No other team can say that. Uh, and I believe the Canes also have the most prospects picked in the first or second round at the tournament. And keep in mind that, that this uh, this roster is short E2 Luotsarainen. I totally just mispronounced his name. Uh, I think we're, we're all going to need a little learning curve on that one. But he, his season is underway over in Europe. And uh, Luke Martin uh, of the University of Michigan is ineligible for this tournament as well due to his status as a collegiate player. Uh, so the Canes have two second-round picks that aren't even on this roster that uh, could theoretically be somewhat of impact players uh, had they been able to play. Well, for me, I think it's going to be able to see Martin Nietzsche for the first time Um you know, go up against some top young talent. And, you know, I was not necessarily sold on the pick, um, but I think, you know, he has a lot to prove in this tournament. Uh, all eyes will be on him in terms of, you know, Kane's fans, uh, you know, wanting to get a glimpse. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be nice to see how he fares against them. And I know that Chip Alexander of the News and Observer reported that uh, he will most likely be headed back to the Czech Republic. But it, it'll be nice for him to get his feet wet. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, even dating back to a few years ago, we've seen how this tournament can can have a big impact on who makes the team and who has a head start to, you know, have a good training camp. Um, a few years ago, we saw Victor Rask have a big tournament, and then when Jordan Stahl got injured, he got boosted up into, you know, a top-nine role right away. And, you know, he, we've seen how his career has tracked since then. Of course, he had a disappointing year last year, but... You know, when you look at this at this team that that Carolina has going, there are some players that can that can vie for a spot. You know, especially on the blue line, you have guys like Hayden Fleury and Jake Bean and Roland McEwen, who are all vying for that final spot on the on the blue line with guys like uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Klaus Dahlbeck. Um, up front, even there's some there's some really notable guys. Um, it's a really deep forward group, so. The kind of talk that, you know, Carolina's farm system is all defense, not really much offense, is, is kind of wrong because you have future NHL talent guys like Nicola Waugh and Warren Fogel. And, of course, like Justin said, Martin Nechast is going to be a guy to watch as he's brand new to the system. Um, Yanni Kukin and Julian Goche as well. Um, it's a deep team, and, you know, 
it's hard to really argue against them being you know a team that can that can repeat here in this tournament uh, and bringing it into a more specific view, I think the one guy I'll be watching pretty closely as this tournament progresses is going to be Hayden Flurry. Uh, he, he's a 2014 first-rounder, so he's uh, three years since his draft now. So it's it's kind of do-or-die time for him in the sense of he's being penciled in to the NHL roster this year on that third pair alongside Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, and while he's certainly the favorite to claim that job, uh, he'll, he will have to stave off Klaus Dahlbeck from that role. Uh, so I guess, I guess how he performs in this tournament could be important for him in terms of building up momentum in the training camp because, you know, he's going to have to look like a man amongst boys out there in this tournament uh, because he's going to be older and bigger and much more experienced than the vast majority of the players that he's going to be playing against uh, tonight and the next week or so. Uh, so yeah, if he can snowball that into training camp, that'll be good uh, because uh, I think the bottom pairing is going to be a big thing for the team this season. And if he can step in right away uh, in a way that's not harmful to the team the way the third pairing was last year, that would be huge. Absolutely. And, and, and Ron Francis went out and, and made a concentrated effort, as he said many times, to, to improve that bottom pairing because we saw what Matt Tennyson and Ryan Murphy and Klaus Stahlbeck did along with Noah Hannafin in that bottom pair last year and a lot of the times it cost them games so Trevor Van Riemsdyk is a huge addition and like you said Hayden Fleury needs to be the best defenseman on that team he has to be he has to you know show that you know he's above this and he's ready for 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 the next stage which is the NHL for him and uh, of course that's going to lead into training camp and then uh, a few weeks after that opening night but uh who he's going to be playing in front of on most nights if he makes the team. Uh, it seems like uh, the general public definitely wants Scott Darling to to be that opening night starter, and I think that's what the team expects too. But Cam Ward is still on this team, and uh, we've heard some sound bites from Bill Peters over the past few weeks and Cam Ward saying that he's comfortable in the backup role. But Kyle, how easy is this transition going to be for the Hurricanes? Um, I think that's that's entirely up to them. Uh, the way I see it, this has to be a stark transition. Um, <clears throat> it can't be a situation where Cam Ward is acting as a sort of training wheels for Scott Darling. I think they need to make it clear, unless he completely bombs in training camp for the preseason, that Darling is the starter. Uh, and Cam probably certainly capable and absolutely will get, you know, an above average workload for a backup. But I think it needs to be a clear one, two situation, uh, or else it's going to end up with more situation, another situation like what happened with Eddie Lack and before him, Anton Hudobin, obviously it's not a direct comparison, uh, given the contract they gave to Scott Darling, but, uh, Bill Peters didn't give Scott Darling that contract. Uh, he's, He's only beholden to Francis to a certain extent. Um, so it's going to be ultimately his decision who starts in goal every night. Uh, and I don't think that that is going to make or break his uh, career with uh, in, in the eyes of Ron Francis. So I'm not completely sold that Bill Peters is ready to hand the keys over to Scott Darling right away. Uh, what do you think, Justin? Well, I definitely understand the apprehension based on, you know, Cam Ward's track history, simply. Um, you know, whenever there's a guy that brought in, maybe say he can do 50-30 or something like that, Cam still ends up getting the bulk of the starts. Um, but then again, Scott Darling was brought in for a different reason. They're looking for a change of the banner, more or less, and um, you don't get that kind of contract to be a backup. Uh, Scott Darling isn't you know, Alex Nedeljkovic, who is a young guy that's just trying to get its feet wet. Scott Darling has some experience, and I think he's ready for that number one role. Uh, but as you say, it's up to Bill Peters, and he's a wild card. For me, I even on this podcast, uh, I, I, I've kind of downplayed the, the whole, okay, Bill Peters is just going to go with what he's comfortable with and what he knows in, in Cam Ward. And Listening to to the sound bites of Media Day and Bill Peters was on Sirius XM as well. Um, it sounds like Ron Francis, and from what I've heard, is pretty much committing to Scott Darling. And when you hear Bill Peters' interviews, 
about how you know it's it's really he's talking about a tandem so i i don't know what his plan really is um I, i'm still of the camp that says that this is your starter scott darling is your starter you don't pay him that much money and give him four years to play 40 games i think you pay him that money to play 50 55 games hopefully and uh you you, you just you have to make that transition uh now you can't you can't go into the year as a 1a 1b situation like in the past um i think the best thing for scott darling in his career is just to be given that number one spot of course he has to earn it in training camp and preseason but i i think he will do that it should be his job to lose like obviously we're not sitting here we're not sitting here saying that no matter what darling does uh, in training camp in the preseason he has to be the starter obviously there's some sort of bar he has to get over but i i just think that bar should be pretty low personally but and i i I agree i i agree with what brett said i think for sure that francis is committing to darling as the starting goalie but as i was kind of getting at earlier i think there's an extent to which peters and francis can see things differently in that they seem to have a relationship that's okay with that sometimes is what i guess what i was getting at like it doesn't seem like they always have to be 100 percent uh, doing the same pay, doing the same thing. It seems like there's a little bit of a mutual trust. If Peters comes to the clu- conclusion that Ward is the better guy for the job, that wouldn't shock me, and it wouldn't shock me if Francis doesn't step in to say otherwise. Yeah, and I think the thing about it is Scott Donnelly is going to come in with expectations. When you bring in a guy like that and sign him to a longer term contract, um, you know he has to pull a certain amount of the workload. But you have to also understand that he's he's on he's headed to this team, and he may need to get acquainted to the system and things of that nature. So I think you could see Cam start a few games early on. That would you know probably more than you would like. Um, but I, I think ultimately Cam will end up back up in the backup role. You kind of have to consider the schedule too, because while it's not a big lengthy road trip like it usually is at the beginning of the year, which is a huge huge advantage for Carolina as opposed to opposed to other years when they're on that road trip I mean I'm sure Cam's gonna get a game or two um just you know because it's early in the year but I don't don't know if that should necessarily be a warning flag as well no I agree obviously obviously I'm not saying Cam shouldn't start at all uh he is a veteran guy he has a lot to impart to Darling to Darling in terms of knowledge uh and I think there's uh something to be gained from Cam getting his 25 to 30 games for sure well, Cam Ward's definitely a veteran leader on this team, but we have to look forward to who's going to be the actual leader this team of this team next year. And we're still without a captain, guys. Who do you think will be the long-term captain of the Canes? Yeah, I mean, look, this has been something that has been talked about uh, for for a while now, uh, about dating back to last year, since or ever since Eric left, really. Um, who, who's going to be the captain of the team and? I think it kind of you have your obvious candidates, be it Jeff Skinner or Justin Falk or Jordan Stahl. Um, I think Jacob Slavin has done an incredible job, um, both on and off the ice, as he stayed here all summer and was a big part of community efforts. And he was there at the arena when uh, they introduced the jerseys at, on draft night and stuff. And if if I was to pick a player right now, um, I, I think it'd have to be between Jeff Skinner and Jacob Slavin. Um, and really going into the summer, I didn't really expect Jacob Slavin to be much of a candidate for that spot. But to see the way that he's really involved himself with this community and uh, and, and seeing him do the stuff that he's done in in the, over the past few months, it's it's there. There are some good options. Uh, you have a lot of young guys who project to be with this team for a very long time. Skinner and Slavin and Falk, of course, among that group. Jordan Stahl isn't going anywhere anytime soon with his contract. So there, there are a lot of options and uh, some uh, some good ones. Yeah, I'd like to see Skinner be the captain. I, I just think that I think that makes the most sense uh, in terms of he. You know, he's he's the in terms of skaters at least. He's the guy who's been here the longest. Uh, and has the most understanding of the market and the team, the franchise, and why things have been going wrong. Uh, and also, last season down the stretch, I think he was just the guy who showed the most leadership when they were uh, trying to work their way back into the playoff hunt. He just always had the big goal uh, to either tie the game or put him ahead late or seal the game. Uh, he just always came up big down the stretch, and I think that 
at least from as far as we can judge in that, you know, we're not in the locker room. We're not seeing the team interact on a day-to-day basis. I think with what we see in terms of leadership being exhibited on the ice, uh, I think Skinner is probably the best choice for that. Uh, but I mean, there's a number of ways they could go. You mentioned Slavin, uh, but uh, for better or worse, uh, I think Justin Williams is going to be considered. Uh, he's certainly a veteran who's been there and done all that. Uh, Jordan Stahl, another possibility. Uh, I doubt they go that direction uh, just because there, there's a degree of awkwardness that would come along with the captaincy being transferred from Eric to his, his younger brother rather after long after Eric's departure. Uh, and I think Falk also has a chance too. Um, he's worn an A for a while. Um, y- you know, like I said earlier, there's only so much we can judge. So uh, if he's worn an A for so long, then Peters might see something there. Uh, but I, I, I would I would say Skinner has to be the favorite. Yeah, for me, I think it's Jeff Skinner. I mean, he's been on this team for so long and he's overcome a lot. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, he may not be the Rod Brindamore type leader, but he's definitely led by example, at least the past few seasons, um, you know, bouncing back from concussion injuries and just really being the the guy for the team, the franchise player. Um, and I, I would really like to see him become captain. I understand, you know, you may want more of a veteran guy like a Justin Williams, but I don't buy that because I think we're, we're we have a young team that is continue, continuing to build. And I just feel like it should be a young guy to lead the team. I don't think you necessarily need age. And, you know, Williams only is here for a two-year contract as of right now. Um, you know, he may retire at Kane, but, you know, that will remain to be seen. But I, I think it should be Jeff Skinner. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to not agree with that because I talked about how Jacob Slavin's kind of put himself out in the community. And you see Jeff Skinner doing the same thing whether it's giving jerseys to Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran. It would kind of be like Eric Stahl and the fact that you see a guy, and this is a good thing, you draft him, uh, he goes through, or Jeff Skinner at least, goes through a lot of adversity early in his career. And a lot of players would not have come back from all those concussions and all those, you know, what ifs, all the people, you know, kind of doubting what, what he was going to be. And he he's turned into a star player. He finished sixth in goal scoring last year. He... When, when the moment was biggest for this team over the past few years, and granted, we haven't had a whole lot of big moments given the, the state of the team and the rebuild. So, of course, Jeff Skinner is, is an obvious and very good option for that role. And while the Hurricanes try to find their on-ice and locker room leader, uh, off the ice, there's uh, the, the sale of the Carolina Hurricanes is still ongoing. Um, I know it, it, it has become a joke of this podcast to kind of lead in every week with ownership updates, but right now, not much. Um, talk's still ongoing with Carmanis and Greenberg. Again, no red flags, which is really all that we can ask for at this point, but there's not a real update to provide. So, you know, still going in the right direction, and, uh, you know, that's all I can ask for. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how the ownership situation develops over the next month or so leading into the season. Uh, another situation, uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, that has been developing for a while, uh, is that of Matt Duchesne in Colorado. Uh, word is getting around uh, from his agent, Pat Brisson, that uh, Duchesne is not particularly happy uh, with the way that his purported trade uh, or supposed planned whatever, what have you trade that was supposed to happen all, all summer, it feels like, especially back in June, still hasn't happened with uh, Joe Sackick apparently unwilling to budge uh, on his asking price. Rumors speculating that Columbus uh, is going pretty aggressively after him, uh, Carolina being mentioned as well in some circles. Uh, Justin, do you think he will start the season as a member of the Colorado Avalanche? Yeah, I think he will. And, you know, I, I don't think holdouts necessarily work that well i i think joe Sackett is being stingy right now he has a good asset he wants more but his asking prices are still too high whether that be you know a trade to columbus or to the canes um i think he's just asking for too much for a player that only has two years left on his deal you know if you get him to a contract that's slave and friendly duchene looks very valuable at that point um but with only two years on his deal I don't know. I I don't buy it. Do I think he'll be traded at some point in the season? Yes. 
Um, Colorado is not a playoff team. So, you know, maybe a, a deadline deal. But um, it will definitely be interesting to see how the holdout shakes out. Yeah, and there are sites that write things that, that don't really make a lot of sense. So Elliot Freeman did report that the Hurricanes would have to start a trade with Slavin or Falk to get Duchesne because that's what Sakic wants. And unfortunately for for him, I don't see Francis doing that whatsoever. If he was going to do that, he would have done it already. Columbus has been hot on Duchesne. There's the, the possibility that he won't show up to training camp on time. I don't know how, how far that's going to get him because it, it feels like the GM in this situation is, is, of course, very much in control of the player. And, you know, he's asking for too much. He, he's not going to get this King's ransom for, for Matt Duchesne that I think that he expects, especially after, you know, the year he had last year. Of course, he was on the avalanche. You can, you can point to that. that. That team was historically bad. But Duchesne certainly wasn't a huge difference maker with 41 points. And you can put whatever stock you want in the plus minus, but he was a minus 34. Is he a difference making player that could very much help any top six in the league? Yes. But uh, for the for the asking price that Sakic uh, refuses to uh, step down from, it, it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen very soon. And that's not all. There are also uh, ongoing contract extension talks uh, going on with two Atlantic Division teams and their young star forwards. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres and super center Jack Eichel uh, of the 2015 draft class, famously. Uh, they're looking to get a new deal done to keep Eichel in Buffalo over the long haul. Obviously, Connor McDavid kind of set the market. Uh, for what elite centers will be going for. Uh, no one is obviously going to get more than he just did, uh, and everyone is going to come to varying degrees under him. Uh, so would you guys, how, how would you guys guesstimate for Eichel? About $10 million, $11 million, $9 million? What, what sounds right to you? Well, I think for Eichel, somewhere in between the 8 to $10 million range is appropriate for him. He is their franchise center moving forward. Um, you know, but coming out of that draft class, it I think it's more a testament of how good of a player Connor McDavid is that, you know, Jack Eichel, he's a very good center, don't get me wrong, but he just isn't there, isn't McDavid level. But yeah, he, he's going to get paid, you know, he saw McDavid's contract and, he, you know, he wants his money too, but um, I think, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get paid what he's worth. Um, but another guy who may get paid what he's worth is David Pasternak, who seems like he is close to a contract extension with the Bruins. Kyle, you got more on that? I do. Um, I think it's interesting that the Bruins are doing this again uh, with another young forward. Phil Kessel, uh, back in 2009-2010, uh, when he was traded to Toronto. Uh, Tyler Sagan, when he became too much of a problem in the locker room and he was traded for bordering on nothing relatively of course uh to dallas rich peverly now now like once again the whole yes he was um but just again if they do it again pass no mistake about it folks he is he is an elite forward and uh the the underlying numbers there on him are incredible his production last year is incredible he is bound to break out uh he is the complete package you look for in a scoring winger uh and if the Bruins can't get it done with him, then I don't know why anyone would bother wanting to sign with them out of college, uh, wanting to be drafted drafted by them, wanting to show any loyalty to them. Uh, but I, I do think they'll figure out a way to get it done. This isn't Peter Torelli uh, in charge of the show. Um, I mean, it's not much better with Don Sweeney, but uh, I have faith. I have faith they'll get it done, even though I probably shouldn't. Uh, but it would it would certainly be funny if they traded him for like you know what Sagan go for Louis Erickson and Riley Smith. So let's say Pasternak goes for something like Kevin Hayes and Jesper Foss. I think that would be hilarious. That would be that would be legendary. And you know what would be even funnier if he came to Carolina. There's no room. There's no room for him on the right wing. We're already overcrowded there. We Justin Williams sorry, is the captain. Sorry, we can't move him down. <laughs> But, you know, David Pasternak is personally one of my favorite players in the entire league. He is just, he's so good. (laughs) Like, every part of his game is just 
exactly what you want out of a top line forward. He scores. He's a great playmaker. He's great in his own end. He has great underlying numbers. Him with Bergeron and Marchand was one of the best lines in the league. And he had 70 points last year. It was his real, you know, coming out party, 34 goals. You give this guy what he wants. You don't, you know, screw around. You don't have another Tyler Sagan or Phil Kessel situation like Kyle said. You don't do that with this guy because this is a franchise player. And when you look at this team, it's a lot of older, aging guys. Krejci's 31 and has has had uh, a lot of injury problems. Patrice Bergeron's 32. While he's still one of the best players in the league, he is 32. Brad Marchand had a career year last year. I'm not exactly confident that he's going to replicate that. He's reaching 30 as well. So for the sake of their future... Give him what he wants. Give him a long-term deal. Give him $8 million a year or whatever it takes because this guy is, is worth it, in my opinion. You know who else is worth it? Who? Paul Maurice, oh. head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, who just signed a multi-year extension along with GM Kevin Sheveldayoff. What do you guys think about good old Paul Maurice? I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Um, Winnipeg's a funny team. You know, they, they lucked into getting Patrick Laine last year, which has the potential to be a franchise-changing player for them. How Brett was just waxing poetic about David Pasternak, uh, I feel similarly about Mark Shifley in terms of him being one of my favorite players in the league. He's, he's quietly an elite number one center in this league. Uh, and alongside Laine, uh, you know, you got Nikolai Ehlers there too and Jacob Trouba on the back end. There's a good young core there in Winnipeg, but, you know, they haven't won. Really, they made the playoffs what the one time, and they got swept uh, under the shovel day off Maurice tandem. And it's not like they've been a rebuilding team that whole time frame too. Like this is a team that was in theory built to win. And I, I don't know. I just, I just question the ability of shovel day off to put pieces around his core guys. Uh, I question the ability of Maurice to get the most out of the full lineup. Uh, and I guess to be fair. You know, goaltending, similar to what's been going on here, goaltending has been holding them back a lot. But on some level, that has to fall on the GM as well. Connor Hellebuck was a great prospect coming out of college. He posted fantastic numbers all throughout his uh, collegiate and minor league career. So if he can turn in a better year this year that was more in line with his first year in which he he started 26 games and had a 918 save percentage, uh, if he can do that over 50 or 60 games, then I think Winnipeg could be in business. But the you know the, the coaching staff there, the scouting department, the video crew is going to have to find a way to get him back to where he was because it was pretty surprising to see how poorly he did last year. I, I really didn't see that coming. Uh, but I, I just, I mean, I mean, I'm not firmly on the pulse of Winnipeg, uh, but I was a little surprised by that. Uh, it seems like a good idea to have a fresh voice in there. I like Winnipeg's team, like a lot of it. I I agree with you. I think Mark Shifley is a first-line center, and he's great. And he, you know, it was wise to sign him to that long extension for just over six mil. I think that's a steal for Shifley. I like Blake Wheeler, um, even though he's getting older. You know, of course, Patrick Laine is going to be in tandem with Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers, uh, the face of that team going forward. But Paul Maurice is kind of an interesting thing to throw in with that because we've seen him be very successful, of course. And we've also seen what can happen when he, you know, overstays his welcome or, you know, it, it kind of just starts to fall apart a little bit. My question for you, Justin, is how long until we are hearing Mo must go chance in Winnipeg? It's only a matter of time, honestly. Um, no, Winnipeg's like the weirdest franchise to me. You know, they moved from Atlanta, um, and there was so much hype. There was so much hype behind them. You know, they they, are ba- they were basically the same team in a different location. Um, but I don't get the shovel day off extension. He's not a guy that really manages his assets very well. Um, I don't think they're the best drafters. Yes, I think Shifley was definitely their diamond in the rough. And as he said, as uh, Kyle said, you know, he, he is definitely a first-line center. But I, I just don't get this franchise's direction. It seems like they're always stuck in purgatory, more more or less. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't get it. It's a matter of time until Mo Musco comes back. You know what was weird to me about the Jets? What's that? It was so weird to me how many players from the Atlanta days stuck around for so long. Like... Chris Thorburn 
who was the fourth <laughs> yeah. line left winger for the Thrashers their last couple of years there, has just, I, I think last year was his first year not in Winnipeg. There is just a lot. Enstrom's still there. Bufflin's still there. Wheeler's still there. I mean, those are all good players. Ladd was there for a while. All these guys are fine players, but that's just, it was just weird how little roster turnover there was from year to year there, especially for a team that had had so little success. So what you're saying is this is an organization that is very loyal to their players almost to a fault. Might sound kind of familiar. Yeah, I mean, you expect that to an extent, but, but they changed their entire front office and they moved to a different country. Like, I, I just would have expected Winnipeg to capitalize a little more on the idea of having their own team back. And, I mean, obviously Atlanta was heading in the right direction when they moved that offseason. Uh, you know, they brought in Bufflin and Ladd and, you know, they looked pretty smart there the year before that uh but man it's just weird how many how many of those guys stuck around for so long to me i miss the atlanta thrashers i do too i love their jerseys i really love their jerseys as well i loved it i love how they had the uh the, like, the, the alternate was bad the, the, the alternate bad. the alternate was bad but their the uh the blue ones with like on one sleeve it had Atlanta running down it and you know mm-hmm. uh, I miss jerseys like that I miss fun jersey. I miss fun jerseys and which is why I'm so damn thankful that the team picked a an outgoing fun jersey for for the Hurricanes yeah I definitely like the addition of the black on the bottom um I think that's really nice I know a lot of people are a fan of the checkered flags along the bottom but I don't know I guess you know the most of the league overall is going for a cleaner look they got to put advertisements on the jerseys. Yeah, in three years, in three years, there's going to be no logos, no patterns. It's just going to be colors, and you're going to have to you're going to have to guess who's who. <laughs> you have to guess yeah. who's who and who they're associated with their advertiser. I can't wait for the Bojangles logo to be on the crest of the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> It'll be beautiful. But you hey, know what else catch, is beautiful? Ah, yeah. No, 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 no. We are potential not moving on. Sponsors, potential sponsors for the Carolina Hurricanes uniform. Go. Think outside the box. Um, Cookout. Definitely Bojangles. I know you just said think outside the box. Um, let's go with Goodyear. <laughs> what about good? What about good berries instead of good, good berries? Good berries. Uh, Capital Broadcasting Company. Yes, yes, yes. That's a good one. McDonald's. Back, backyard McDonald's. Bistro. Uber. <laughs> Uber. Amazon. The- the, the Amazon Carolina Hurricane. <laughs> if they really want to like hammer home the whole uh, MLS expansion, they can just put the uh, Carolina FC logo on there. You could also um, put the logo of that lady who does the game. Uh, you know, she's like a real estate lady, and they do that game. Uh, Ida Turbet. Ida Turbet. What's uh, her company? Is it? Yeah. I I don't know. It's some it's some real estate company, and she's there, and she smiles a lot. That's all I remember. <laughs> I think that, oh, wait, no, Linda Craft. I'm thinking Linda, of Linda Craft. Craft. That's there it. we go. That's yeah, <laughs> Linda, Linda Craft, right in the middle. Apologies, apologies to Ida Turbet. Sorry. <laughs> and, and every night, the three stars each get a copy of NHL 17 and a little lawn chair that they can sit in. And, like and the, a drawstring uh, backpack. Okay, I've a got a drawstring backpack. I, I've got an idea for you guys. What if what if we did the Carolina Hurricanes brought to you by the Carolina Hurricanes? <laughs> you're printing money. You're printing money. You're 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 paying yourself. I, I I quite honestly I don't see how that could fail. I mean any other sponsor I think I don't know. I, I just think that's the best way to do it. You put a little Canes logo on the shoulder, diagonally above the, the big logo. Mm-hmm. It's just a double brand reinforcement. <laughs> I think you're you're think you're like a hundred years ahead of the times, Kyle. I'm I don't gal- think anybody's gal- gonna appreciate this. Brain. We over I'm here living. We over here living in 2017. Kyle's in 3017. <laughs> no one's gonna appreciate this until Kyle's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll listen to this podcast and go, you know what? He was right. He was right. Speaking of logos, it's time to get into our season previews. I know you guys have been waiting weeks for it, and you know it's the long-awaited segment has returned. You're welcome. Um, up first, we got the Ottawa Senators. Uh, they're a team that finished second in the Atlantic Division last year with 98 points, and they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals and got beat by the eventual Stanley Cup champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, to me, they're a team that could be right back there again this year. Um, 
led by the man with the gray hair, Eric Carlson himself. Um, but it looks like he might be missing some of the first games of the season. Uh, he's a guy that has been absolutely fantastic. Um, but these injuries of late are kind of derailing his career. You know, you had the the uh, Matt Cook incident a few years ago where he stepped on the back of his um, leg with his skate, and that, that was just terrible to watch. How good is Eric Carlson, guys, and how good can this Ottawa Senators team be? Eric Carlson is, in my opinion, and it's nowhere close, he's the best defenseman in the league. The injury is is troublesome, but you look at what he did during the playoffs last year. He was fighting through that injury throughout the playoffs and had 18 points in 19 games and really, with Craig Anderson, really carried Ottawa to being within a shot away from from being the Eastern Conference champion and doing something that was very unexpected. But yeah, it's it's all about Eric Carlson and uh, and his health. I mean, even an eighty percent Eric Carlson is better is still a top two or three defenseman in the league. He's he's that good and he's that big of a difference maker um, with the puck on his stick and in in his own end. It, it's going to come down to for for Ottawa. Can Craig Anderson have another big year? Um, he was the big story last year about or around what happened with with his wife and his family and the the courage that he showed and and how well he played under all of that. Um, it was incredibly impressive. But he is 36 now. They did bring in Mike Condon as as a backup option uh, for three years. So and he's played some good hockey over the past few years too. With the Senators, I think they're I think they're going to have uh, some trouble replicating the success that they had last year. They lost Mark Mathot, which you know he was Eric Carlson's defensive partner. Um, for a lot of that, um, Victor Stahlberg, who Carolina traded to them over the off season or during the regular season, I should say, is gone. He's playing in Europe now, and which is really surprising to me how he didn't get an NHL job if that was what he wanted. But they lost out on a couple of veteran UFAs and Chris Kelly and Chris Neal. That's not going to have a huge impact on them, I don't think. But if, if Colin Wilson, who signed his ELC over the summer and it projects to be, you know, a big time forward for them. If he can step in and, you know, lead that offense a little bit with Kyle Turris and you're hoping Bobby Ryan bounces back as well, you know, they can still be dangerous. Uh, Thomas Shabbat is, is very close too as a defenseman um, in their system and Logan Brown is still coming up and Philip Chlapik is another interesting name. Uh, but this is a, this is kind of a wild card esque team to me um not in the sense that they're going to finish in a wild card spot but i don't really know what to expect out of this team because there's a lot of guys who are getting older and under some con- big contracts uh dion finuff is in that category bobby ryan just turned 30 they have alexander burrows for two more years and he's 36 and he's getting two and a half million um so we'll see you know it, it, this could be a team that could compete in the atlantic or i could see them finishing outside of a playoff spot yeah, Ottawa for me is, uh, man, they're just that team you always sleep on, and then all of a sudden you wake up and they're in Game 7 of overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Final. So you you never know with this team. Obviously, Eric Carlson ag- agreed completely, the best defenseman in the league. I, I just don't know. I don't know about this team. You, you never want to count them out, but they're just not that impressive on paper. Um, yeah. I, I think Shabbat's, Shabbat's going to be a wild card. If he can come up... Uh, and play that left side of Carlson uh, when Carlson comes back. I think, I think that's something that could make this team a real contender. Uh, if they have another, you know, dynamic guy to go along with Carlson, who can you know, an- another passing target for Carlson, the guy who can finish from the blue line like Shabbat has shown his junior career. Uh, I think that'd be a big difference maker for them. I think Mark Stone is a guy who doesn't get enough attention. Uh, really good player, does it all very well from the wing position and. I think the depth is impressive there, too. I mean, Pajot put up four goals in the playoff game this year. Obviously, that's not completely emblematic of anything, but he, he's just another guy from their bottom six. And uh, Dezingle, I feel like, is a guy who always scores against the Canes for whatever reason. I just get that impression. Uh, but, yeah, another, another guy who's the threat out of the bottom six. So deep forward group, elite defenseman. For me, it is going to come down to Anderson and Condon for them. But another team that... You know, it's going to come down to the goaltending for, in my opinion at least, is the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the Flyers had a rough year last year after two years ago when they had a shocking run to end the regular season and qualify for the postseason. 
this year, they had uh, a lot of luck in a different way. Uh, they won the NHL draft lottery, or at least the second pick in it. Uh, ended up with Nolan Patrick after the Devils went uh, the direction of Nico Hiche first overall. And now, all of a sudden, the Flyers, who were pretty decent uh, last year, have an elite prospect that's probably going to make their team right away. Uh, some teams never get that get that luck, do they? But uh, another interesting team for me, I look at Claude Giroux. Uh, he seems to be on the downslope of his career, uh, and he's a little bit young for that uh, for it to be as stark as it has been for him. Jakub Voracek, obviously an outstanding player. Uh, but the defense for this team is intriguing because, you know, they got uh, Ivan Provorov, pretty good rookie year last year, profiles as an elite defenseman when he's done developing. It'll be interesting to see him take a step this year. Uh, it'll be also be interesting to see if Shane Gossespierre can bounce back and start putting up points the way he was two years ago. Uh, obviously, or not obviously, but uh, his underlying numbers actually didn't take too much of a hit last year. Uh, he was a lot better than he looked at times. It was just some of the puck luck that he was getting two years ago wasn't going quite his way. Uh, but they still got Andrew McDonald there <laughs> uh, plugging away in the defense unit. Uh, that's going to bring them down a little bit. But uh, they got Travis Sanheim waiting in the wings as well, who uh, was one of the other defensemen taken right after Hayden Fleury in 2014. Uh, so this is an intriguing team to me. Uh, dealt Braden Shen to St. Louis, which I thought was a little puzzling. Uh, what do you guys think of their offseason and how they profile moving forward? Yeah, well, obviously the best addition of the offseason was Nolan Patrick, um, who fell into their laps more or less. You know, got injured in the emergence of Hichier. Uh, you know, he kind of just took over. So, um, you know, it's definitely a, a good prospect to add to a team that, to me, as you guys mentioned with Ottawa, they're just not impressive on paper, but they get the job done. Um, overall, though, I, I really like their their young D prospects in Sandheim and Moran. Um, I think, in my opinion, they could honestly have a, a defensive four um, that could maybe even rival the Canes. Um, you know, they, they definitely have a lot of young talent there. Um, but I don't know if I'm sold on Brian Elliott and goal. Um, this is a very tough division this year. A lot of the teams in the division got better, especially, you know, Columbus and us included. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure if they're a team that can get over that hump and make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're a goalie away from being a threat here for the Hurricanes and everybody in the Metropolitan Division. Nolan Patrick, of course, is a huge get for them. Um, they're hoping he's their a franchise type of guy. It's considered a weak draft class, but you never know with these type of prospects. You know, he he's going to come in and likely, you know, pick up a roster spot and, you know, he'll be a rookie of the year contender beyond that though uh Claude Giroux is a guy that yes has fallen off a cliff a little bit but I have a little bit more faith in him going forward uh, I don't think that his career is going to go on a drastic downslope I think he's still a very good player and when you you know you take out Braden Shen which is going to be a pretty big loss they bring back Yori Laterra who is definitely a downgrade from Shen Travis Konechny is a young guy who they're gonna want to you know step up um up front uh, Shane Gossespierre got that big contract extension. He's going to have to play up to that money. Uh, Ivan Provorov is a really exciting player. Like Justin said, I don't know if I trust Brian Elliott. I don't know if I trust Michael Neuver. So yeah, there's a lot of questions here, but it feels like this is a team that's getting closer to being a, a threat, um, especially if guys like Claude Giroux can uh, can bounce back and maybe Yori Laterra can come, and, come in and uh, you know find new life in his career. Speaking of threats, the top threat in the league last year was the Pittsburgh Penguins, who obviously are the Stanley Cup champions. They had an interesting offseason. They lost um, their franchise goalie, but not necessarily. Matt Murray has kind of been the guy that's emerged for them, um, and Marc-Andre Fleury was lost in the expansion draft to the Vegas Golden Knights, who we are all going to go and record a podcast on the Vegas Strip. Um, should be a lot of fun. But um, the more questionable decision for the Penguins this year, the, the first overall, or sorry, excuse me, first round pick for Ryan Reeves. Kyle, I know you have some hot takes on that. Yeah, that's just Jim Rutherford being Jim Rutherford. Um, he decided they needed toughness to protect Sidney Crosby, despite the fact that they won two Stanley Cups without 
a, a real enforcing presence on that team. I mean, I guess you could make that make sense in your head somehow, but I, I sure can't. I mean, obviously this team is going to be elite again uh, with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Murray, uh, not to mention Hornquist, Kessel, Schultz, and Dumoulin uh, backing all that up. I think there is some room for them to fall back a little bit. Um, certainly losing Nick Benino and Matt Cullen in the same offseason is going to hurt their third and fourth lines a lot, and they don't really seem to have much in the way of an adequate plan to replace them. Uh, I think they've pe- they're penciling in Carter or Rowney take one of those slots, and I'm not, I wasn't particularly impressed by him in the playoffs. Uh, and obviously probably the funniest thing of the, them all uh, is the fact that they invited Jay McClement to camp on a PTO. And he doesn't seem to have much competition for the fourth line center slot in that camp. So that that would be interesting. Um, going from Nick Benino and Matt Collin to Carter Rowney and Jay McClement. Uh, obviously, that wouldn't preclude them from being a playoff team at all. Uh, but it would certainly make them more beatable on a night to night basis in the regular season, which could be helpful to the Canes. Yeah, Jim Rutherford has made some very Jim Rutherford moves uh, <laughs> over the past little bit. But. You know, this is still the best team in hockey, and I do think that they might take a step back too, just because they've played a lot of hockey over the past two years. I mean, this is a team that I question a little bit down the stretch how much left they're going to have in the tank because this is largely the same roster from two years ago. Again, they've they've played a lot of hockey, so I wonder where that's going to come into the equation for them. It was wise to send Marc-Andre Fleury packing because I think Matt Murray is definitely their future in net. It was very odd that they also gave Vegas a pick to take Marc-Andre Fleury, even though that was 100% who they were already going to take. I Look, Jim Rutherford's going to do what he does, but you look at guys at the very top of the lineup, Crosby and Malkin, of course, are you know two of the top four or five players in the league. Um, Phil Kessel, of course, is a big part of, of what they're doing. Ryan Reeves, that that trade uh, was very puzzling, why they would give up a first. And on top of that, the guy who was available for St. Louis at 31 was Clem Costin, who was a guy that, going into the draft, could have been drafted top 15. He seemed good. <laughs> and um, there's, there's some question marks, but more so than that, this is just this is a team that They've proven they can win. Now if they can just, you know, stay healthy and not get too worn out, you know, playing their hockey, um, this is a team that is instantly a Stanley Cup favorite for the third time in a row. And it's going to take a good team to knock them off. So we discussed these teams, but I guess what really matters is, are they going to be playoff teams? So, Justin, do you think the Ottawa Senators are going to be a playoff team? Oh, yeah. I I think they will be. I think they're an extremely well-coached team. As Kyle said, they look terrible on paper. They just, you know, there's not names on there that necessarily stick out to you. Um, but they find a way to get it done. And I think in terms of the East, they're in the weaker division this uh, coming season. Metropolitan is stacked. I, I think they're squeaking. I think they get a wild card spot. I'm going to say no against all better judgment. I think the Metro is getting both wild cards. So I think that leaves three spots in the Atlantic. And I think Tampa's a lock, and I think Toronto's a lock. And I just like Montreal a little bit more than I like Ottawa, I think. But I I know that's going to be wrong. I know Ottawa is going to squeak and grind their way to another playoff appearance. But I don't think they will. You're 100% right, because when I look at the Atlantic, Toronto's going to be in there. Uh, Tampa's going to be in there. They missed the playoffs last year. But I I definitely think they're going to come back and, and be a force. It's really between those that final Atlantic spot, which I think I agree with you. There's going to be two Metro wildcard teams. It's down to Montreal, Ottawa, and Boston, and I just I I don't know if Ottawa can outplay Boston and Montreal for that final spot. It's tough, uh, but I I have to say no. I think they're going to just miss out on a playoff spot. And I think also, in my opinion, I think. Philly will miss out on a playoff spot. You know, as Kyle said, he thinks that both wildcard spots are going to Metro Division teams. Uh, I don't think Philly will be one of them, and I don't think they're good enough to get into the top three of the division. They're learning, and they're kind of in a transition mode, more or less. Um, But with their young talent, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with again. For Philly, for me, uh, it's I think they're going to be heavily competing for that second wild card. I think 
I think their direct competition for that spot is going to be the Rangers. I'm going to go ahead and say I think they will beat out the Rangers for that spot. Um, I, I, it was a while ago that we did our, our Rangers Devils Islanders episode, so I, I do think <laughs> I, I do think I said the Rangers would make the playoffs on that one. But as of this moment, I am I am feeling the Flyers over them. That that's, that that battle is going to come down to Lundqvist Lundqvist in this health for me. But that's off the topic because we're talking about the Flyers. Uh, but I think I think Drew bounces back a little bit, and I think their forward depth carries them. Uh, with Simmons, Voracek, uh, Konechny, Couturier. Uh, I think Laterra could bounce back for them. They've got Roffel and Reed. It's, it's a deep forward group. If Provorov and Gossip Bear take steps this year, that's going to be a tough team for the Rangers to beat out, I would imagine. So I'll, I'll give the Flyers the fifth spot in the Metro for now. Uh, might change my <laughs> mind at any second. These first two are tough because Philly is... In, in a very tough division, admittedly, but at the same time, this isn't an awful time to be in the Metropolitan Division because you see Washington, I think, is going to take a step back. The Rangers are going to take a step back. Columbus is going to have a tough time replicating that magical year that they had. And Pittsburgh has played a lot of hockey, like I said, over the past two years. So, And they lost Ron Hainsey. Do you come back from that? The Canes didn't. The Canes traded Hainsey and they missed the playoffs. That's... A very good point, and I'm, you know, damn it. Uh, yes, they're a playoff team. I think that I agree with Kyle. They're the last wild cards team, uh, eighth in the East. I, I like their their youth. I like the emerging blue line that they're going to be having over the next few years, um, and I think Claude Giroux is going to bounce back and, and be a number one center for them this year, and Nolan Patrick is going to be in the – Calder talk all year and as he should be and uh, if he can back that up on the ice I think uh, that's going to be a really interesting team to watch and a team that can make the playoffs so yes I do think that they will make the playoffs and there you have it that is episode seven of the Canes Country podcast thank you for your prediction boys Um, don't forget to follow us at Canes Country SBN that's at Canes Country SBN you can always follow me on Twitter at Lanky Lape I can be found at K underscore Morton 9. And you can find me on Twitter uh, at Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R. Of course, you can find all of our great content on canescountry.com, which is going to be going back into full throttle here soon, which is exciting. And we're going, and this podcast will come out every week now, we promise. Yeah, we, we were bad. We're going to be back on track. But um, it's also a good time of year because football has started quick before we wrap up Carolina Panthers predictions predict their record and go ooh uh i i i think that uh i think they're going to have a little bit of a bounce back here i think i'm going to go with 9 and 7 for their record i'm feeling good about the panthers this year and uh, i'm going 11 and 5 i think they're going to wow. I, think, I think they're going to continue their trend of winning season losing season winning season losing season winning season uh, and this year will be a winning season uh, I think McCaffrey is going to add a whole new dimension to the offense. Curtis Samuel, too. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of speed there. We saw we saw what that sort of offense could do with Kansas City last night. I'm sorry I'm talking too much. I'm just excited about the Panthers. Love the Panthers. 11-5. I, I, on the other hand, do not love the Panthers. I'm a Giants fan, but I, I'll be fair to them. I think 9-7. I think they do not win the division, though. I think Atlanta will take it. Um, don't hate me too much for it. Uh, yeah, that's the podcast, guys. It was a good one. Peace.